So I have this student in my class that just started yesterday who looks a lot like you. Does she act a lot like me? I don't know yet. I hope so for your sake. I hope so too. <laughs> um, I do hate when people tell me that someone looks like me. Yeah, it always makes me nervous because you texted me yesterday yeah. and you were like, I've got a girl that looks like you in my class. And I was like, great. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, yeah, because I feel like, first of all, our perceptions of ourselves are so Completely different. different. Um, and I mean that like my perception of me mm-hmm. is different. The mm-hmm. face I see in the mirror is different yep. uh, from what I feel like other people see. Yes. And I will, I told you this on text, like I will never forget in college, I had this really negative experience that was partially my own fault and made me realize my own arrogance and pride and vanity. It was awful. (laughs) Um, But like a new freshman girl was on campus and everybody's like, oh, it's another Annie. And I saw her and I was like, is that what I, is that what I look like? Is that, (laughs) is that what I look like? And it wasn't. I'm not saying she was unattractive, but it was like a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I thought I looked different from that. Yeah. And look, college was not the best time for me. College is not the best time for most people. Well, people say high school. I think yeah. I honestly looked better in high school than in college. Because in high school, my mother was still helping with my grooming. And I only figured myself out in grad school. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, I have way better style now than I did in college, for sure. But in high, like, my senior year of high school, I felt like I had pretty, like, I knew who I was. Mm. College, I got a perm. Oh. Because I didn't want to use a hair dryer in Italy. And so I was like, I'll get a perm and then it'll air dry curly. And it did. And it looked great. Okay. But the end of the perm, like mm. when I kept letting it grow, I just looked, it looked like a lion's mane. Yeah, that sounds ridiculous. Terrible. And I showed a picture to my mother recently and I was like, why? Why'd you let me do this? Why did you let me do this? Um, uh, so yeah, there's something about somebody else saying yes. you look like someone that immediately puts up my guard. Yes. Now, to be fair, I sent you a picture from my roster. You did. And she does look like She you. does look like me. <laughs> she <laughs> looks like a very, like, not exactly like you, but she could be your younger sister pretty easily. Yeah, she I could. Think. We could cast her in a movie. Yeah, we could. she could play you in a movie. Yeah. Play young Annie. Yeah. I had several negative experiences in college along these same lines. There was one guy um, who was my age and came in the same time as me and people confused us for all four years Oh. and I never understood why mm. we both had dark messy hair and blue eyes and were pale was he tall too not particularly shorter than me and okay. like doughier than me like well, I'm, I'm anybody is doughier than you correct I was like I'm thin <laughs> and not that he's not thin because he is but okay. he like looks like a person yes and not a skeleton um <laughs> And I never, I never understood how people were like, hey, great job in chapel today, man. And I was like, what? Oh, Like, because he led worship in chapel all yeah. the time. Um, and then there was this other kid that came in my sophomore or junior year. And people were like, oh, it's like a new Chris. And I kept hearing about him for weeks and finally saw him. And it was just this, like, weird little, like, pale kid who wore, like, cabbie hats, yeah. which I have never done. And I was like, is this, is this what you people think I look like? I, it's scary, right? It is. I, so we have such such. Ugh. Oh, it's and it's our own self arrogance a yeah. little bit. And, and look, look, I'm the first person to admit that I'm vain. <laughs> well, that's true. I know. True. <laughs> I'm not. And here's the thing: I don't think I'm proud, but I'm very vain. Okay. 
Sometimes those things overlap a little bit. And, and I don't think they do. I okay. think they're often confused. I think they overlap. I think I'm very concerned about what people think of me. Uh-huh. I don't actually think I'm better than anyone. Okay. I'm just really afraid that people are going to think totally I'm terrible. That's totally personality type Right, stuff exactly. Too. I was thinking, so not only did that college experience happen, um, which was relatively negative, but I probably have a little bit of like, I hesitate to use the term PTSD, but like I have a little bit of... A negative reaction. Lingering anxiety. Yeah. Because in high school, so, and I don't know, I guess guys suffer this too, but um, I went to the same school, second through 12th grade, mm-hmm. and a girl and I were like best friends and our names were similar and we looked very similar. Mm-hmm. At the time, um, I did not wear glasses, she did, and that, we were like the same height, the same size, mm-hmm. same haircut, and then of course we went to high school. Mm-hmm. And middle, middle school, but this happened in high school, where she came into her own, mm-hmm. we'll put it that way, mm-hmm. and I stayed the same mm-hmm. as I have, if you look at pictures of me, <laughs> my entire, I have not changed. Sure. Somebody could see me from middle school, and I think they'd know exactly who I was. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she came into her own, I stayed the same, and it very much, I will never forget somebody literally saying, oh, it, you know, it's... Um, Annie and then the pretty one. Oh. And it's like, oh my gosh. Like, like and you're terrible. in high school and you're like, and I don't think that was true, but in high school But in it's high true. school it's true, yeah. Yeah, and no, it, it was like, feel oh, bad. oh, it makes you feel terrible. And so now, like, anytime somebody's like, oh, you look like them. There is a couple at church, though, that Jordan and I joke is like us. Uh. Like, they look, and we joke that when one day we're going to sit na- near each other and people are going to, like, self-combust. Because they're, now they have, they're on baby number three. Oh. But they, she looks a lot, I think she and I do look a lot alike, at least in the sense where we have glasses, uh-huh. yeah. we have the same length hair, mm-hmm. um, kind of the same build. And then the husband doesn't look like Jordan, but they look like they could be friends or cousins uh-huh. of some kind. Like they or look like just some a, alternate universe. Yeah. yeah. And so sure enough, we thought Jordan, we, Jordan and I thought this was like an inside joke with just he and I. Like, did, but did then, you find out that they had the same joke? Well, no. But <laughs> this couple came up to us like at small group, and they were like, "Where are your kids?" And we were like, huh? "We do not have children." And we realized other people in church have also confused us. That's so good. Um, but recently, we've started sitting closer to them and I wonder do they feel about us mm-hmm. the way we feel about them where they're like Annie and Jordan in an yeah in another, yeah, universe. another universe yeah it's weird we live in a semi-porous multiverse and I believe it Welcome to episode 186 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and school's back. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. The end of August is that magical time. Praise the Lord. When school is back in session. Oh, I don't care about that. When I have a job again. You definitely care about I that. I definitely care about that. <laughs> Summer is weird where like sometimes I work and sometimes I don't, but you know, for the rest of the year. Aren't you ready to be back in your routine? Yes. Yeah. And like yesterday was the first like day of it. Yeah. And I got home and I was like, I'm exhausted and it feels great. Yeah. Like I did stuff today. Yes. I got up, I walked around, 
I went to school. I walked around more. I came home. You felt like a human again. I went to the grocery store. Like, I did things on a schedule that I know I'm going to follow for the next 15 weeks. That's what's so comforting about uh, fall to me is the return to routine. Summer is different. Mm -hmm. And I've tried really hard in the past few years to embrace summer because I was not made for summer. No. Um, But... I want to embrace, especially living in a town that slows down a little bit in the summer, like I want to embrace the longer days, the maybe lazier moments. Mm -hmm. So I've tried really hard to do that. It's good and easy for me up until July 4th. I've said this before. Right. And then from that point forward, it's, I just feel like, why are we here? Yeah. Um, and it's August. Like, Jordan literally sanded down our door on Saturday so that we could open and shut it again. Um, so yeah, and even yesterday was my first day off in a while. Mm-hmm. Like I was determined. I didn't look at my email, uh, nothing, um, because that has not happened in longer than it should have. And Jordan got home and he was like, "What'd you do?" And I was like, "I did laundry, but otherwise, literally, did not leave this couch." Good. Like because and it was a beautiful day. It was hot, but it was beautiful. I didn't want to leave. Like I just wanted to be in my cold, air-conditioned home. That's correct. Sitting on the couch. I just wanted to like not be. It, there's something about outside right now that just zaps me of all my. Yes, energy. absolutely. It's so miserable. No, I walked all the way across campus yesterday to get with Kelsey to get the key to her new office. Mm-hmm. But the key shop is all the way across campus from where our offices are. It's not fun. No, and you men. I know. You with men our in pants. your pants. I know. I just, <laughs> like because I was at work yesterday, and so I was wearing a button down. Yeah. And Long pants. You can't breathe. Shoes, no. I was so wet. No, yeah. I was just damp. Yeah, and they're like, they suck. Look, and I'm wearing pants today. TMI, Jordan's going to have to peel these off later. Like, <laughs> like they're just, we're, we're all just suctioned in. Yeah. The humidity just like. It's rough. Acts as a. Yeah, just. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's good. All right, all right. so. <laughs> I didn't read anything this month because. Look, I don't blame you. It's I wrote it. I wrote a dissertation oh. chapter. I was. This is what I was gonna say. Not because it's hot. It's awful. I hate doing anything. No, I was. I was busy. I was traveling a lot, but I also wrote a chapter. How so. How are you? I have a chapter. Good for you. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. That's you'll very take very it. good. You had nothing, so. I had yeah. No. <laughs> lest, lest we forget, <laughs> a short six weeks ago, I had nothing. Yeah. So, so that's great. Yeah, it'll be good. Congratulations. Um, you read several books though, and I'm proud of you. I and did. At least three of these you did in like a day. I can't wait to talk about this. Good. So let's start with the one with the really long title that neither of us can really remember. I can never remember it's it. It's Guernsey Literary something. Guernsey, the Ger- wait a minute, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Okay. Let me tell you something, everybody. That book title is too long. Yeah. Like, and it's not cute. No. Somebody in editing needed to like. Now, I will say. The author of this book died before it was published. Okay. Her niece finished it. The afterword of okay. this book is really fantastic because it talks about that. So maybe it was this woman's dying, dying wish, wish to name her book this. But hot take, mm. it's not great. No. Uh, so I'm just going to call it Guernsey. Okay. I will say... How's the book? The I, I was going to say, like, 
the title's not great. The book is lovely. I have so many people in my life, in my book club and, and Instagram and like people I know and people I don't know who adore this book. Mm-hmm. Like they put it in their top yeah. 10. No, I've seen a lot of people talking about it. Yeah. And I had never read it. I think I like, this was one of those books that I just missed maybe like yeah. right in that. I think it might've been published in 2008. Yeah. I don't know. Something yeah. where I just missed it. Um, I liked it. What I liked about it was it was a book I could easily pass on to my mom. Okay. I think we're doing an episode soon about PG Yep, books. next week actually. So we'll talk about that. But but I thought this was the perfect cozy book. Um, I did not know going into it that it's a epistolary. Epistolary? Yeah, yeah I remember. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. It's an epistolary novel. Um, so that means it was made up of letters. Like that's all the book consisted of. And I wasn't sure if I was going to love that mm-hmm. or not. Because that's not always my favorite. Yeah, it's hard to do well. It, it is hard to do well, but I really did think this author really did a good job. Um, she had been inspired by visiting the island of Guernsey and realizing how World War II affected that mm-hmm. island, and that was fascinating. So it's she, a Channel Island, right? Yes, and so she kind of weaves in obviously some World War II and post World War II history. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some sad and beautiful moments in the book. Um, the characters are really who you fall in love with. And that is surprising to me because when a novel is made up of letters, to me, the characters can be hard to get to know. Yeah. Um, but I think you and I, who enjoy writing, also know sometimes we say things in writing that we would never say yeah. in person. And I think the same is true of fictional characters. For sure. And so you kind of watch a love story grow in letters, which I loved, um, but you also watch friendships develop and people trusting one another through letters. Um, so I read this really just so I could see um, Glenn Powell yeah. in, <laughs> in the Guernsey movie. Um, and the movie is a lovely adaptation. Good. Obviously, they had to do some different things because sure, it's, it's not narrated yeah, through letters. That's right. Um, but even if you haven't read the book, some people I know who just watched the movie enjoyed it and then were able to go back and read the book. So like, I think it's just totally separate experiences. I loved this one. Did I love it like some of the friends of mine love it? No. And I I think that's partly because it's one of those books that was buzzed about. And so I went in maybe with super high expectations, but I thought like, Lovely is the best way to describe yeah, this book. It's good. Just you a lovely it. It little comfort book. Your favorite thing you've ever read, right. but it was good. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, tell me about the masterpiece. So I read the masterpiece. This is what's so funny about the month of August. Some of these books I just felt like I needed to read. So Guernsey I read because my book club was watching the movie. The masterpiece I read because I was interviewing Fiona Davis mm-hmm. for the podcast. Right. Um, I liked Fiona Davis's other book called The Dollhouse. I haven't. She's got one other one and I yes. haven't read it. Um, but I read the masterpiece very quickly because I procrastinated and needed. I really did want to read this before I talked with her. Uh, here's what I love. She in her books. She's a former journalist, mm-hmm. and I think that shows. In her books, she takes a famous historic landmark and kind of builds this fictional right. world around it. Um, so a world based in history, but filled with some fictional details. Um, in this case, the book is about the uh, Grand Central Terminal, or what we know as Grand Central Station. And she goes back and forth between the 1920s, when Grand Central Terminal was like at its peak, and then the 1970s, when it had fallen into complete right. disrepair, and Jackie Onassis right. kind of took it upon herself to make it a historic landmark. 
I loved that because it's a place I've been. And it's a great, perfect symbol for whatever you need it to be. Exactly. And so I loved that. To me, her writing about the place mm-hmm. that is Grand Central Station or Grand Central Terminal, though that was my favorite part. Um, she did, for the first time in the book, base some of her characters on real people. Okay. Um, so Grand Central Terminal was the home to an artist's um, kind of college school Um and I, I had no idea about that. And so one of the main characters is based on a very popular female illustrator. And in the book, it talks about, I, I had never thought about this, but before um, photography became popular, mm-hmm. magazines were obviously filled with illustrations. Yeah. So when photography came about, all of these illustrators lost their livelihoods yeah. um, for drawing and designing for magazines. So that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, if you are a Patreon listener, you might have heard the Fiona Davis interview I did, and I think that really even enhanced my reading of it. Sure. Ultimately, um, I don't always. I I have. Um, we have listeners, I think, who are really good about researching books after they finish. Yeah. And like deep diving into those worlds, I don't always do yeah. that. But I did really love getting to talk with Fiona Davis. Um, at, when I interviewed her, I think I was like 30 pages from being yeah. finished. And right before I called her for the interview, there's a slight plot twist that felt pretty major at the time. And so I was like, I can't believe I have to interrupt this conversation. Like I have to interrupt this conversation conversation I'm having with the book so that I can go and converse <laughs> with the author. But really, I just want to finish. Um, and so anyway, I really, I really enjoyed this one. Great for historic fiction. Awesome. Um, what about Are You Sleeping? Are You Sleeping was good. You and I talked briefly about this, I think. Yeah, which one was it again? Remind me. So it is about, it's a fiction story about a podcast, a true crime podcast. Oh, right. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit ago. Yeah. So anyway, I read it on the recommendation of um, an Instagram friend, an internet friend, and she was right. Because of my interest in true crime and Mm -hmm. true crime podcasts, I didn't like this book for the thriller aspect. It is a suspense novel. Mm -hmm. What I liked was its kind of social commentary on how true crime and that genre affects the actual victims of crime. Interesting. uh, Or the families Mm -hmm. who are involved in crime, um, who are maybe the... I guess, what is another word besides victims? They're involved in... Maybe their family has been subject to a criminal act or something like that. So... I loved that aspect of the novel. The thriller was the thriller aspect um, was good, but what I what I loved was kind of rethinking when we listen to a podcast mm-hmm. like Serial. How does Adnan's family feel? Right. How? And this is so sad. I don't even remember the name of the girl. Right. He is suspected of killing. Like. Right. I remember Adnan's name. Right. I don't so so even that like I'm embarrassed to say that I do not I no longer remember the victim's name, and so how do the victim's families feel? Yeah, and so and I what think, is the author the creator's responsibility to those right. people? That's right. And so in the book, the podcast host is really kind of this villainous character, and we're really seeing things through the family's eyes. Interesting. Um, but I love that. What do yeah, you mean? Yeah, no, that's super concept? interesting. And I'm surprised more people aren't talking about it. Yeah. It was one that I would never have heard of were it not for this friend on the internet. So I thoroughly enjoyed Are You Sleeping? That's great. Um, Joy Enough is a very different kind of book. I know this one's a memoir. Yes, this one's a memoir. I went through a 
large week-long reading slump after finishing Are You Sleeping? and ultimately picked up Joy Enough, uh, which is a memoir coming out in January. I read it, it was already on my list because a couple of authors I really love, Mo Molly Weisenberg comes to mind, recommended this book. Um, like they're the blurb on the back of the uh -huh. ARC. But I hadn't read it until I had a really great meeting with my Norton sales rep. And he was like, look, I actually really read this one, loved it, I think you would like it. So I went home and read half and finished the next half the next day. Great. It's so beautifully done. Um, I read a book about a year ago, I think, called The Glass Eye. Yes. That's what this book reminded me of, only it's less poetic, and I mean that in a good way. Mm -hmm. um, I loved Sarah, oh gosh, I, can't, I think her name is um, Nicole, but I don't, anyway, I loved Sarah's writing style. I loved, um, if you're a fan of Shauna Nyquist or Molly Weisenberg, I think you would really love this book. It's really a love story to her mother. Mm -hmm. um, her mother in the book is dying of cancer, but it's also not just about death right. like you know i loved um the air we breathe right, right? was that the name um, of it gosh i'm blanking what is it called the, the is it the breath? air breath becomes air breath when, becomes, breath, becomes when air. breath becomes air you breathe is that new book out by riverhead okay Ooh. um when breath <laughs> becomes air i loved that book yeah what i like about joy enough is that it's obviously written by someone reflecting on death so she is not dying her mother is dying so that's a difference um Paul Karanithi was in the act of dying. Right. Um, but she writes really hopefully about her life. She writes about she um, her marriage ending, but then what happens when her marriage ends? Uh, what happens as her mother approaches death? Mm -hmm. But then also, what is she going to do as a 30-something? And, right. and I just, I loved the mother-daughter relationship, but I love that throughout this book, I was near tears or crying in many little moments but then in another like the very next moment i was literally laughing out loud at yeah. my house and i love a book that does that because i think that's really hard to do and i i like that you're saying that it's it's less poetic and you mean that in a good way kelsey read me the first page of it yeah and it is just this very spare yes prose yes like it it's not overly lyrical and yeah. like we both like lyrical prose sure um, but sometimes when it is just so spare yeah. and, and minimal, yeah. it works. Oh, it's so good. Um, so I, I'm going to read this one too. Yeah. It's really um, great. It sounds awesome. It's wonderful. I've compared it to Joan Didion on yeah. Instagram and um, Goodbye Vitamin yeah. would be another comp, but I, I really cannot wait for this book to come out. And then you read There There. I read There There. We've done a whole episode about A whole thing. This. So we'll, we'll be quick on this one because yeah. last week's Love It or Loathe It was all about this book. Yeah. So if you haven't listened, go back and listen to that episode. Um, but I would like to say if you've been putting this one off. And this is a book I had unintentionally put off because it got so much press right. and because it got so much um, praise that yeah. I kind of felt like, okay, well, it's selling itself. I don't right. need to make it a priority. No, it was a hot literary book of the summer and yeah. for good reason. And now I know for good reason. And I'm really glad to have read it. Good. I have had some customers say that they haven't been able to get into it. And um, I'd like to reiterate, there's a middle portion of this book that I think might redirect people yeah. so if you're having trouble getting into it maybe you don't like the almost short story-esque style um you might try jumping to i believe what he refers to what tommy orange refers to as the interlude uh -huh. and maybe read that first and see if that jump yeah, starts because your reading. you don't necessarily need to read all of them in order yeah i don't think so i mean um, it might be I, I think you should yeah um but you don't necessarily have yeah. to yeah and so that's why i say the interlude might at least give you 
some background for why this book, right? Why we're all talking about it, why it's important, um, and you know, not letting that word "important" throw right. you off, right? Um, but really, I don't know a book I've read like it. No. Um, and I think that, in and of itself, should encourage people to read right. it and, and like, try it. Like I, I, I talked about it several times for the past dozen or so episodes. Um, and the closest thing I could come up with was the Canterbury Tales and just that mm-hmm. it's these 12 different stories of different people traveling to the same place. Yeah. But that's only a structural comment. Yes. Like it, there is nothing thematic no. like this that I've read. And it truly... And some Sherman Alexi sure is the obvious comparison, yes. but like not really. Right. It's a very different kind of so writing. It's such a different type of book. Yeah. Um, and I will say if you can... I would read this one in a book club context. Absolutely. Um, it needs discussion. Yes, it really does. Like I think my appreciation for for this title was made better because of the conversation I yeah. had with Emily and Hunter. No, and I thought that conversation was so good, and I loved seeing really all good. of you kind of come to a different understanding of it yeah. by the end of the conversation than you did when you started. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I was like, that's the best kind of book conversation yes, there is. it totally is, and I think we all left feeling that way. And that's so good. And this is the kind of book that will allow for those kinds of conversations. Yeah. Um, even if you didn't like it. Exactly. You can talk you about can it talk and you will have it. gotten something out of absolutely. it. Absolutely. You won't forget it. You, yeah. You will absolutely never forget you this book. You won't forget it. Um, which is the next one? Maybe in Another Life? Maybe in Another Life was my book club book for okay. the month. It's by Taylor Jenkins Reid, who I really oh, yeah, do yeah. like. Oh, yeah, You've read a bunch of her. I've read a lot of her books and I really enjoy her. Um, this one I had not read. Many of my book club members already had read it, so for some of them it was a reread. But look, I like this book. I think you will be intrigued by this concept. I was telling it, I was talking to Jordan about it, and he was fascinated. So the book opens with this young woman. She's like 29. She moves back to L.A., um, and the night she moves back to L.A. with her best friend, like they go out for like a welcome home party because that's where she's originally from. And we're reading, we're getting all this information about the character and her friend. And, and then at the end of the chapter, her ex-boyfriend from high school is at the welcome back party. Mm. And she is kind of, she has always kind of wondered what if they had stayed together or gotten back together because he really was a wonderful boyfriend, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so anyway, the chapter ends. And from that point, the book branches off. Oh, and it does okay. It does back and forth. Cha- yeah, it does okay. back and forth chapters. So one chapter is as if she had gone home with him or like stuck stayed with him, meaning stayed at the party a little bit longer, then gone to his house. Like mm-hmm. what would have happened in that life? Uh-huh. And then what would have happened in the life where she declined his invitation to stick around and to go home with him and gone by herself, like left. The That's party. really interesting. So it was a fascinating concept. And I think, you know, in my book club talked at length, like which love interest did we like? Like certainly romance or romantic comedy plays a role in the book. Mm-hmm. But honestly, what I was struck by is then the two different paths her life takes um, based on this one decision. Right. And, and which aspects of her life stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what our book club talked about at length was what, do we think is up to fate? Do we think anything is up to fate? How much do our decisions actually influence our life? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, so it made for a fascinating book club discussion. Um, I will say I wanted to throw the book across the room at multiple points mm-hmm. because one of the, the attributes of the main character is that she is very passive and she's very much like, if it will be, if it's meant to be, it will be. That is the opposite of me right. as a person. And, and that's, <laughs> that's often an annoying trait to read in a protagonist yes. because... 
that's not really a protagonist trait. Yeah, and, and you've got to take action. And I think that what, in, in fact, I'm confident what Taylor Jenkins Reid was trying to show yeah. us is that ultimately you have to take action. Things do the things that you want to happen do not just happen to right. you. Um, so anyway, it made, despite being light and fun, because it was a quick read, it was very um, easy to consume, mm-hmm. it also goes really deep on these questions of, uh, do you believe in soulmates? Do you believe in fate? And I don't believe in any of that. So it was really interesting conversation to have in my book club. And I really enjoyed this one. Good. Um, and then, not last, but getting close to the end here. Yeah. Um, to All the Boys I've Loved Before and its two sequels. Yeah. We'll talk about these as a group, I yeah, think. Yeah, To All the Boys I Love Before, P.S. I Love You, or P.S. I Still Love You, and Always and Forever, Laura Jean. I think Laura Jean are the three books. Um, look, I watched the movie on Netflix. Uh-huh. I had been looking forward to it because I've ne- I had not read to all the boys I've loved before, but I, Jenny Han is a delightful follow on Twitter. That's mm-hmm. the author. And as a bookseller, I have seen these books for years. So it popped up on Netflix and I was like, I'm never going to read these books. I'll go ahead and watch the movie. Mm-hmm. The movie was so delightful. I don't even want to talk about how many times I've watched it. And I immediately <laughs> I immediately went back and was like, I'm going to read these. And I read three books in three days. <laughs> um, I don't know the last time I've been utterly consumed. That's great. It was. I love that. It was, you know why? It reminded me of the reader I was as a child. Yeah, exactly. I was, I don't know the last time I've read a series. Mm -hmm. I am not very um, attracted to adult series. Did you read the second Crazy Rich Asians? Yes. Generous Girlfriend. So there's that. And then Elena Ferrante. Yes. And then otherwise, I don't know if you've read any other series. No. And like Elena Ferrante, I've just read the first two. Crazy Rich Asians, I've read the first two. I'm going to, I am going to read the third one of that. But I didn't feel this compulsion. Like truly, I finished, I was not even done with book two. And I was like, sorry, Jordan, I'm going to have to buy book three. Like, before I finish book two, because I know I'm going to want to finish it. Um, the last time I've wanted to reread something. Not that I will reread it now, because mm-hmm. I just finished. But I want to own these books, because I think I might actually reread them. And That's I, great. And I say that as a person who almost never rereads. Um, these are so cozy. And we could get super caught up in, and look, I am caught up in it. We could get caught up in Peter Kavinsky. But, but what I'm really caught up in is these three sisters and a world in which they're sisters, but they all like each other. Like, they certainly have arguments right. and things, but they they love each other. The this nice family, family story. Yes. Yeah. This family loves each other. Um, the dad is a delightful character, um, played by John Corbett in the movie. Mm. Also delightful. Um but I was just so, it's the set, like you just feel like somebody has put a warm blanket on you Aww. and you're re- like, that's, these books are so comforting. They're also incredibly nostalgic. Mm. So I posted to Instagram yeah, that no, I, the whole concept is nostalgia, right? Yes. And I posted that I teared up and, uh, I got a couple of comments that were interesting, but what I meant by like cried at the end, I cried, I teared up because I thought, oh, I'm going to miss these people. And I teared up because I haven't read a book that took me so back to high school. Mm. And I'm not talking about the love story. That's not true to my personal life. But choosing a college, the pressure 18-year-olds put on Mm -hmm. themselves to make major life decisions that will truly affect them for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. Decisions to leave home. Decisions to stay. Like, 
I felt like I was right there with Laura Jean as she was trying to make these major life decisions as a kid. Like when you're 18, you're still a kid. And so I loved, I just loved it because it just made me think high school is hard. Yeah. Being a teenager is hard. And it was a reminder of that. Like you forget that um, because adulthood is hard. Yep. And so you think. In a very different way. Yeah. And so you think, oh, high school's easy. No, it's not. It's hard. It is. Very, Um, very, very much so. So these books are a delight. And I want everyone, like I want to put, give them to everybody. They're so great. great. I love that. They're so great. Um, And the last one on the list here is this adaptation, revisitation, maybe Meg Jo Beth Amy. Meg Jo Beth Amy. It's a literary criticism uh, book. I'm thrilled to have read it because I don't read a lot of books like this in my post-college life. Right. Um, It's all I read. Yes, it's all you read. (laughs) Uh, So I read this one um, because I am a Little Women fan, but Mm -hmm. I was struck by the subtitle, which I think is something like, the story of Little Women and Why It Matters. Yeah. I read a few years ago a really great biography on Louisa May Alcott that was fascinating. Interesting woman. Oh, she is incredibly interesting. Um, and this book delves into why Little Women Matters um, or even just asks the question, does it matter? Right. Um, so you get a chapter on should boys read Little Women? You get a chapter. Short answer, yes. Short answer is yes. I think you and I have the same reaction, like, duh. But then she, <laughs> but. But then she goes into, but is it being read in school? Mm-hmm. Does it really make the list like Huckleberry Finn, mm-hmm. like To Kill mm-hmm. a Mockingbird? Mm-hmm. And the answer is no, Not it doesn't. And so why is that? And so is this a simple novel? Or is it a complex novel? And so it goes into all of these really great literary critiques, Um and, and really analyzes where Louise... So it gives a history of it, mm-hmm. like where Louisa May Alcott was when she wrote it, what inspired her, some of which I knew because mm-hmm. of the Alcott biography I had read. But then it delves into literary criticism, modern translations of it, movies, um, TV shows. Like we're, I think we're getting... Not only are we getting the Greta the Gerwig, movie, yeah. which I'm super excited about, but we're getting like this... Have you seen the previews for this? It looks like a Nickelodeon or Disney Channel movie... But it's a it's Little Women, just retold modern. I feel like there's even more than one because there's one that I keep seeing posters for at the movie theater, and I don't think that's the Greta Gerwig one. No, that's true. So there's not. that. It's too soon. And but then there's the Greta Gerwig one coming yes. out in a couple years that yes. I'm very excited oh, about. I am very excited. Although, but then also yes, this TV show version. Yeah, and did you just see? Sorry, but Little Women, the Greta Gerwig version, they just recast. Meg was going to be Emma Stone, and now it's going to be Emma Watson. Ooh. And I don't know how I feel. As Meg. Yeah, I think it's um, as Meg. Because um, Saoirse Ronan is going to be Joe, which I love. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's great. Call. That's super good. Um, uh, we'll see. It, we'll we'll see. see. But I'm very excited to have it in Greta Gerwig's hands. But you don't realize Emma how Watson many... Emma Watson's Meg makes a lot of sense to me. Ugh, I don't know how sold I am on Emma Watson as an actress. Uh, agreed. Yeah. And maybe unpopular opinion. That's also kind of how I feel about Meg. Okay, wait. Can I just... I know yeah. we're on time. Yeah. But like... No, we're good on time. Like, that is what one of the chapters really analyzes. Why do we feel attachments to particular to particular sisters? sisters? Interesting. And why does Meg, Meg and Beth, kind of get the short end of the Absolutely. stick? Absolutely. And so this author really writes so well about that because she's doing interviews and she. It's fascinating. Side note, and I don't know that the author, it's so funny. I love book serendipity. So I was reading Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy mm-hmm. while I was reading those Jenny Han books. 
Part of the reason I decided to go ahead and read to all the boys I've loved before is because in an author interview, Jenny Han said she wanted Lara Jean to be inspired by Beth March. Interesting. A homebody, somebody who loves her family. Uh-huh. And so then this book references other Jenny Han books and kind oh. of in a negative way about young adult literature. Huh. And so I find that fascinating. It like is. my mind was blown because here this author is really basing some of uh-huh. her characters. Anyway, so she talks a lot about Meg, Joe, obviously Joe, Beth, and Amy, but how some of those sisters we look back on with negative mm-hmm. view because we were attracted to. I didn't know such a large population of women really do adore Amy. Yeah. And as it's just. She's the opposite of you, of course. She's just (laughs) impulsive and romantic and all these, like, I don't know, maybe traditionally feminine things. Yes, and how she owned that. And, like, so, anyway, I found this book, if you love Little Women um, at all, then I think you will be fascinated by this book. I also love it because unlike the Louisa May Alcott biography I read that was pretty hefty, Uh this is relatively thin. Yeah, so I feel like if even if you are new to the genre of literary criticism, you... yeah, it's accessible, it's I'm totally sure. Accessible. It's not like academic literary no. criticism. It's it's popular literary criticism, which is not a negative thing at no, all. No, and she's an academic. Amazing. So yeah. like, I think she's approaching it in this really um, nuanced, rich, re- well-researched way. And that's so way. wonderful. Yeah, but it's totally accessible to the layperson. Which is the only good kind of academic writing, yeah. in my opinion. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Okay, so we're looking forward to these movies. Yeah. The, the new one, or the one that's coming out soon... With an unrecognizable cast. Yes, that's, that's all the like one I'm talking about. Modern. Yes. I don't understand what that is. It looks like it. I'm gonna go see it because yeah. of course I am. Are you talking about like a Harriet the Spy kind yes. of Disney movie? Okay, then that's yeah, what I'm it totally looks on like. board. I agree. <laughs> Doesn't it look like that? Yes. But what I'm really excited about is the Greta Gerwig. Me too. I gotta wait a couple years, but I'm very excited. is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content like Annie's interview with Fiona Davis, check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also find us on our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, where we have web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. So we carry these baseball caps that say F-O-X, uh-huh. um, inspired, obviously, by You've Got Mail. But too much consternation from customers. Well, what is so fun, like, at first I thought, oh no, nobody gets it, but no, no. What is so great is the hat is like a test. Yeah, it's a shibboleth. Yes, it totally is. I just read that, sorry, I just read that in the book of Judges, uh-huh. and then I kept thinking, why is this story familiar to me? The last way. And it, <laughs> 
and then during my Bible study time, I like went and watched that little clip from one because I was like, oh, that's why. That's why. It's not familiar to me from reading this before. It's familiar to me from listening. Um, but yeah, it totally is. So we had a young woman come in with her dad and she's obviously about to head back to college and she kept walking past the hat going, dad, I'm sure this is from You've Got Me. Like, I really do think that's what this is from. Um, and often we'll hear in the store and it's one of my favorite things because like I still love, yeah, when yeah. people are like, oh, it's from, the, it's like from that movie. And I always love that. Um, but she came up to the register and she was like, you could see like, she was wondering, should I ask? And she goes, <laughs> is this from, is this a reference to You've Got Mail? And we were like, yes, it is. And so she bought it and she was so excited. That's so good. And so it is like this lovely shibboleth. I love that. That's really fun. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week.